up? Over to the Peon Podcast, episode 18. This is a an insane episode. I'll get into that in a little bit. If you don't already know from the from the episode title who my guest is, then you'll know after this very lengthy intro. But man, I was thinking this week, this is it's insane that I I do this. I just started this as like a fun thing. I never thought that I would get to interview the people that I have. It's 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 insane that some can just line cook from Austin gets to talk to these people, and now all of a sudden it's like it's become a thing. It's 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 wild. Uh, I'm very lucky. I keep thinking about that, especially after doing this interview. I was like. Wow, this is crazy that I somehow have a platform that allows me to do this and to talk to these amazing people, to become, you know, acquaintances with these people, friends with these people, um, and have the opportunity to just just talk. It's uh it's really fucking amazing. Blows my mind. Yeah. It's not it's not an imposter syndrome. I don't think of it in that way as at all. I just think, wow, this is crazy. Why me? Well, because you asked, Zach, you know? Nardwar once said, you know, you, you get an interview by asking, and apparently it's that easy. You just <laughs> ask people, and, uh, you know, good things come your way. So anyway, uh, this is a very important week, so that's why the episode was a little delayed. This is in a very important week for me, and for a lot of people in in uh, in the cult of pain, uh, because uh, this this week is the anniversary of Anthony Bourdain's death. And so I wanted to save this this episode for that week, you know, to commemorate that. And and so uh, our guest this week is one of his very close friends, Zamir Gota, who is I mean, if you don't know him, you have to just go back and watch uh Cook's Tour, which is on YouTube, No Reservations, which is now on Max, not HBO Max, Max. And uh, and then Parts Unknown, which is on CNN. But they had a very long relationship. I mean, they knew each other for like 20 plus years. Uh, I, I can't remember the exact uh, amount of time. But Zamir was was Bourdain's, you know, as you called him, his ex-KGB agent. <laughs> his, his mole in Russia, you know. They had this running joke about, you know, Zamir being like a, a KGB agent or some shit like that. Even the first episode, the... Cook's tour when they first met, um, they're both like in their forties. Bourdain's like fresh out of kitchen, just fresh. And Zamir talks about that, which is uh, amazing insight into somebody who that you think just had everything under control. You know, he was a uh, at least to me anyway. It's such a, a powerful force on screen, but he like Bourdain. I mean, uh, but he sort of cultivated it very well because of the stories that he told and how he spoke. And things you were like, man, this guy really knows what he's doing. But apparently, according to Zamir, he's a very shy individual, somebody who didn't really, who needed somebody to kind of guide him around. And, and Zamir was that guy. Um, and uh, and what a what a lucky like find there. I don't know, maybe it was luck or whatever. But uh, those two just hit it off, and it's like it's magic on screen. They're just so funny together. There's a real tit for tat. Uh, between each other, uh, but anyway, what was I saying? I was saying that, that yeah, when they first met, like uh, Bourdain was fresh out of the kitchen, just like 
this person who didn't who was just trying to grab up every opportunity he could so that he didn't have to go back to the kitchen, but also not afraid to just go back. He's like, I could be a dishwasher at any fucking time if I want. That's how I feel about this. It's not like I'm making any money, but like I just feel like there's not you can't touch me because I can always just get a job washing dishes or, you know, uh cooking any anywhere, literally anywhere. So uh that's kind of the the great thing about cooking is it's there's it's untouchable. You know, there are people are always gonna need cooks, dishwashers, buzzers, you know. But yeah, i I remember the I started watching Bourdain very soon after high school, which is two thousand five. Yeah, came back to the States after going to high school. And then started I think I must have found it on the, the travel channel. Yeah, he was doing res, no reservations at that point because I think um Cook Store was in the early 2000s right after Kitchen Confidential came out. Like he's just fresh out of the kitchen. I mean, the intro to Cook Store is him in the kitchen uh in a chef's coat. So, I found no reservations through Travel Channel and I was just like sucked in immediately. Uh that show was amazing. It was just like wasn't just a travel show. It was, uh, it was, it was raw. Like you could tell. Sometimes he just fucking hated it. Like Iceland, he goes to Iceland. It's like any other person, like you know, um, any other travel show would have been so polite and kept everything that they hated behind the scenes. But Bourdain just he kept it at the forefront. He was like the story of this place that I'm going to is that I fucking hate it. I hate the cold. I hate this place. Why am I in a fucking igloo? Why am I hanging out with bodybuilders? Like he was he was polite, of course, to the people, but on screen he was showing you how much he fucking hated being there. And it was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. So he made the narrative that the place he was going was not enjoyable. And that was uh that was a breath of fucking fresh air for sure. Uh amongst all these shitty travel shows um that were just, just so like fake it seemed you know and I, I traveled a lot when i was a kid so i knew that it wasn't all this it wasn't glamorous and uh the good shit is not that that uh easy to find you know it's not it's off the beaten path and stuff so that's another reason i, I love the bourdain um but then i got into the the cook store i don't remember how i found it i think i think it might have been bought up by travel channel at that point or something like that or maybe it was still on food network because it, uh, it was bought it was run on food network um initially and then i think it was bought by travel channel later when travel channel bought food network um but back in those days it used to be on like late night or something like that because he was seen as like sort of like a rebel you know he's he's dark he's edgy we can't put him on next to martha stewart you know so he would be on like late night food food network and i'd stay up all night and fucking watch bourdain uh cook store you know with his big bowling shirts and shit like that just looking so lanky and weird um i'm like that's that's a cook that's got to be a cook but anyway to get back to zamir um they had this amazing relationship from the from the get-go like if you watch those episodes on youtube um uh the cook who came in from the cold and uh i'm blanking on the other one uh the other episode but uh they just hit this chemistry immediately and you know tony like cultivated this this idea that that zamir was this mysterious guy uh which he still kind of is you know uh but he was this mysterious guy and showing him around russia and they they don't quite know where he came from or how he got there or what his connections are and things like that and uh and man it worked 
for the whole time that uh, Bourdain was working in television, like Zamir was this mysterious guy that uh, that um, that kind of hung around Bourdain, you know. Uh, but the amazing thing about those two is that uh, um, in that episode, it's like you can see uh, the two forming a relationship. Like Bourdain's not quite sure what this, uh, who this guy is, and and also for clarity, like uh, Zamir was a uh, a um, a fixer. You know, he would f- he would find places for you to go and like connect you with people and things like that. So, but I'll let Zamir tell that story. But I mean, in that first episode, you could see Bourdain being like, ah, "I'm not sure about this guy or whatever." Like, and then, and then, like, I think in the first episode, he at, the, at some point he calls, he says, uh, "I mean, oh yeah, yeah." Bourdain described him later in the episode uh, as a good guy with quite a gastronomic sense, and that seemed like the biggest compliment that Bourdain could give at that point. You know, as like a very protected, kind of shy uh, cook from New York. You know. Uh, and that started a, a, a you know massive friendship. Um, he uh, he took him to like this this KGB agent, a real ex KGB agent, like a spy uh, in that episode. And it is crazy. Like you can see Bourdain just like light up because <laughs> he was like obsessed with that that world and uh, that that time in history. And when the KGB agent, ex KGB agent, like likens like hunting for mushrooms as a metaphor for spying and things like that. It's, it's brilliant. But then Bourdain talks about what kind of childhood he had and what kind of person he was and how he got fell into drugs and things like that. And this KGB guys says, well, you would have been the perfect target. You know, I, I would have scooped you up and made you work for me. And Bourdain just loves it. <laughs> like that's what kind of dude he was. He was like, really? I would have been a KGB agent, something like that. It's amazing. It's an amazing moment. You could tell that that was like where Bourdain was like, all right, this is my guy. This is my dude. And then uh, they went to Fort No Reservation. So the cook store ended because Bourdain was like, fucking Food Network wants me to do all this bullshit. Fuck them. I don't fucking like them. Uh, I'm going to go to Travel Channel. They'll let me just travel on their dime and not not have uh, any restrictions. And that show was wildly popular. I remember that show c- pretty much carried that network until like Bizarre Foods came out. And and then, you know, uh, the, the food challenge shows started happening and it became ridiculous. Um, but for, there was a short period of time where he was kind of carrying that network and um, and they would have no reservations on like 24-7. And that was my shit because I would just watch it over and over and over and over again. And, uh, but they, they regrouped, uh, for a trip to, uh, Uzbekistan. And that's where the, the famous tit for tat kind of happened. And I'll let Zamir tell that story. Cause it's great. It's one of my favorite things in this episode, but Bourdain got this terrible massage. <laughs> like, like, um, I think Conan, Conan got it later it's like this famous like kind of rough massage that they do in like turkey and uzbekistan where it's like a full body just breakdown they just crack your whole body and just fucking slap it against the concrete and just banging around and he fucking hated it and you could tell uh at that moment he was gonna like he actually made it the narrative of like their relationship that he was gonna keep getting it back and so that episode's great. But then Bourdain gets him back in a later episode by giving him a a bikini wax. 
Yeah, he, he made he made Zamir get a wax. So that's what Zamir's talking about in this episode when he says, like, um, you know, he understands what lady what ladies go through nowadays if they <laughs> if they need to get their intimate parts worked on. Um and and that that was a crazy episode too, because you could tell Bourdain just fucking hated that. Like, um, I'll let Zamir talk about that, but that was kind of a famous episode where Bourdain just like the the second the second it got in the country, he's kind of like a little excited. He's, he's like happy to see his friend. And then they go to see this this castle, the literally the first scene in the episode. They already had authorization. They had all this stuff. And then the Romanian government just, the officials like stop them at the gate. And then they want like $6,600 a square footage to shoot. And Bourdain just walks away. <laughs> he literally just, literally just starts walking at a super fast pace. And Zamir's like running after him like, no, no, no I don't know what happened. Oh, it's it's great. Um, and then the rest of the episode is just like you could tell he's just fucking sour about the whole fucking thing. Like, um, they end up at a fucking Halloween party at some bullshit hotel that's called Dracula's Castle. It's not even Dracula's Castle, it's just called Dracula's Castle. And it's like there's people with like knives sticking out of their head and like as Amir's dressed up as a pirate. <laughs> it's everything. There's dancing at karaoke. It's everything that Bourdain hated, but it's fucking TV go- magic. It's so good, and uh, yeah. And then, man, that's such a good episode, just because of how uh, crazy and funny it is, and how much anger comes out of Bourdain. Um, and then they end up going to uh, the Rust Belt um, for a later episode, and. Um, and we talk about that in this episode as well, where Bourdain really wasn't, as Zamir says, wasn't a guy who explained things. It was either you got it or fuck off, you know. But he wanted to kind of show Zamir, you know, take him, take him over to America and show him what America's like, and show him that like not not every uh, country is perfect, and we got our own we got our own shit going on over here too. And I think that's where like the friendship really took off or kind of the TV dynamic. Cause uh, man, it is, it is hilarious. Uh, that plus the Kansas city episode where they go to, um, they go tailgating, man, just like seeing Zamir amongst like American people and just like partying and taking shots and just, just kind of controlling the, the fun of the party is, is amazing. Which brings me to like what Zamir does now, which is he's, he's traveling around keeping, Bourdain's message alive, you know, and he's doing it through, uh, through vodka, through shots and vodka. I mean, I should mention that from those episodes, but Zamir was famous for making toasts and drinking everybody under the table. It's insane. Like there are some moments in those episodes where Bourdain, like Zamir's making another toast or like taking a shot and and Bourdain, you could tell he's just like, oh, fuck, another fucking shot. He takes it down and he just, oh, grimaces so hard. He's like, he's like, but I got to do it, you know? Uh, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, you don't, you don't complain. You don't say no. You, you come in with a, an attitude that you're in someone else's home and you appreciate it. You do what they do. You do it to make everything to make them feel, them feel good, you know? So Bourdain took them all down and, um, and, and man, there's one moment in um, Ukraine, I think it was in Ukraine, where they drank three bottles of vodka. We talk about it in this episode. I mean, three 
real bottles of vodka. We're not talking about small bottles of vodka. We're talking about fucking bottles of vodka in one sitting. Like, that is insane. It's an insane amount of booze. And I'm a big boozer. Oh, I could drink. But not a whole bottle of vodka in one sitting. Man, it's wild. It's wild. I mean, there's one moment in the Ukraine episode, I think, where they they go to get chicken Kiev or something at this one Ukrainian restaurant. And Bourdain says, I think I'm going to have a beer. And Zemir looks at him like, you're going to have a beer at a Ukrainian restaurant. And Bourdain's like, all right, fuck, I guess we're getting fucking vodka then. And then all hell breaks loose again. Ah, man, man, I miss that dude. Okay, so before we get into what Zemir's doing now, um, I will have to say that, uh, I mean, Bourdain's the whole reason I started this this whole thing. I've said it many, many times, and I want to keep saying it again every year. If Bourdain hadn't died the way that he did, I wouldn't be here doing this thing. I don't know where I'd be. Jeez, I I, I have no idea. I was I was kind of a uh, all over the place. I was like a f- like failing writer, still am, but failing writer trying to like you know get into magazines and write books and shit like that, and uh, none of it was going very well. I didn't know what to do or where to go, and and then when he when he died, uh, I was like. I was like, man, what do, what the hell do I do? I was in a real dark place, suicidal, and uh, and uh, and yeah, it hit it like hit me like a in, in, like in a in a second. Like I, I think Lucky Peach had, had died the same year or year before or something like that. And not that I felt that I could replace either Bourdain or Lucky Peach, but it just it occurred to me that those two things, those that person and Lucky Peach, were gone. And they would never exist again. And I was like, well, I don't want that to happen. So if I could do anything to fill the gap for myself or other people, you know, to be some element of of what either or both of those things were, then that's what I want to do. So that's what I'm doing to some degree, you know, I'm I'm trying. Um, So if it hadn't been for you know, that horrible thing to happen, then I wouldn't be doing this. And uh, and I wouldn't have met Zamir. Uh, like we talk about in this episode, you know, the you could talk about a lot of negative shit when it comes to suicide and, and suicide prevention. You could talk about, you can go negative all day, talking about Bourdain the last few years of his life. Uh, but I try to keep it positive now because uh, because it was a bad as it is to say it was there, there was there's a lot of positivity that came from that i mean uh, like i said i wouldn't be doing this and uh and uh wouldn't have some direction if it, <laughs> it wasn't for that you know it's it sucks yeah i'd rather have bourdain but you know i got i got this this crazy podcast thing in this magazine so it's wild you know what are you gonna do what are you gonna do you know my italian comes out what are you gonna do um but anyway yeah, if I could say anything, uh, you know, to talk to people around you, uh, tell them how you're doing, and and really be honest about it. Some of the most helpful times in my life has been when you know I just tell people exactly what I'm going through. I don't do that bullshit where I go, ah, oh, everything's fine. I'm doing good and all this stuff. I actually tell people how how I'm doing and be honest about my mental health and uh be honest with where you're at and what you're going through yeah and also ask them how they're doing 
you know, we don't do enough talking uh, nowadays. And I'll say after having experienced a lot of death this year, in the last year, um, I will say that uh, don't don't put shit off, you know. I put a lot of shit off. I was like, you know, I, I can do, oh, I can do that later. I can be with that person later. And then, you know, that person's not here anymore. So uh, if you want to do something, get out and do it. Um, don't wait because you never know what's going to happen next. Shit. Yeah, I have no fucking idea. It's crazy. Um, and also, uh, I would say this is something that I've learned recently, had to relearn, is just don't take this shit so seriously. Like, everybody's going through the same fucking thing. And um, one of the best things I've found is this new podcast that I've listened to, Being Ian with Jordan. Uh, and it's it's fucking amazing. Like, you could tell off, off camera, out of the podcast, they're just the way they describe themselves is just a mess of depression and, and, you know, failed relationships and, and, uh, mental illness. And then, but they laugh about it so much and it makes, it makes everything feel better. You know, um, everything doesn't have to be that heavy. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that heavy. You know, you can get through it. It's, it's fine. Just joke about it because, you know, everybody's going through the same shit. Yeah. That's my depression advice. I got more of it if you need, you know, I'm still here. Anyway, let's get back to the happy shit. So, I I don't know how it came about. I think it's all. I think all this shit is just about timing. But somehow, I caught Zamir at at the right time, and uh, I DM'd him on Instagram. He got back to me. Uh, Zamir is 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 a hustler. He's a fixer. He's uh, he's Zamir. He's just he's he's amazing. Um, I'm very, I'm very happy and grateful that I get to have to talk to Zamir and that now hopefully I know Zamir and, uh, can meet him in person one day. But, uh, Zamir does these vodka tours, um, um, and toasting to Anthony Bourdain, keeping his message alive and, um, you know, making sure that it's a message of hope and positivity keeping the positive side of Bourdain's message alive, you know, travel, experience something that's, that's outside of yourself, experience the scary, like get into the unknown and don't, don't travel like a fucking tourist. Don't go to places and just get on a bus and just look at things. No, get in, get in there. Uh, you know, eat the local food. Don't look at fucking Yelp. Just travel, talk to people. And I guarantee you, you will find something exceptional so you'll you'll change yourself and uh you'll hopefully change the people uh that you, that you meet too it's it's the way to travel you know don't don't just fucking follow the guides um so zamir on the on june 8th if you happen to be in new york uh zamir will be doing a, a toast to anthony at Steelbound in elcottville new york um he'll have his vodka there as well and uh you know, Zamir does these all over the country. Yeah, you can find any of his his um, events and stuff at uh, ZamirGota.com. Um, he's got a schedule up there. He's got, you know, stuff about his vodka. He's got all kinds of information there. And then um, also the best way to follow him is uh, uh, Instagram, ZamirGota, all one word. Um, yeah, he's a legend. Um, and... Uh, He's, he's, 
you know, he's out there keeping Bourdain's uh, story alive, telling his own story, telling the story of those both of them and how amazing, you know, the stories that they had. Shooting that show, traveling, and um, and just being friends. Um, it's it's uh it's amazing. It's amazing to to talk to him. Uh, I'm not sure what else to say. I'm not gonna promote my shit th- this time. So, but I will say one thing: I don't usually shoot video. These are all audio only podcasts. But this time, if you'd like to see the video, that'll be up on the Patreon. I'll make that available to all levels. Um. And also, I'm still trying to figure out how to fill out Patreon and stuff and uh, find time to do it, you know. So, aside from that, though, I'm going to promote Bourdain and, and Zamir. So, uh, go watch all the Cook Store reservations. It'll change your life. It's not dated in the slightest, you know. It's this, this, it's great. Oh, man, I'm going to get into it again. I'm going to get deep into it. Um, it's crazy to me that... I mean, I guess this, this is a testament to how special Bourdain was and, and his vision for the TV show was. Because we haven't had anything since that's even close to Bourdain. Like, that show stands up right now and it's over 20 years old. It's Cook Store, No Reservations, um, and to some degree, uh, Parts Unknown. That got a little more political and, and Zamir will talk about that as well for certain reasons. Um, but those first two shows, they're so fucking good. It they stand out so much amongst TV in general, but also traveling shows and food shows. Well, because of Bourdain's voice, but also the stories they were telling, the way that it was shot, everything about it, it's so unique, and it's insane to me. In any other medium, in television, films, when something's popular and it's and it's really good. The a fucking hundred clones pop up. They all pop up, you know. And sure, there are people who are like Bourdain, like that sort of sort of have popped up, you know, or trying to do something like that. Like, of course, there's there's you know cooks that have done shows, you know, um, Eddie Wong and and like Action Bronson and and people like that. Um, Munchies is trying to do some shit. Um, Bradley to some to some small degree. Um, Maddie Matheson had a thing for a minute, but. All of those people eventually just fall back into the same fucking hole of of boring fucking recipe development and just travel show standards. It's it's like what what is going on? Like I understand the the incentive to make money and, and keep some sort of a business alive, but it's not how you're gonna do it. I stopped watching watching Matty Matheson because he's just a boring like recipe development guy now. It's like no one's no one's doing what Bourdain did, and it's it's amazing to me that someone didn't just. I mean, the whole the, the the void is there. Someone could literally just copy what Bourdain did in some small way, and it'll be popular or or at least good because the formula that he had is there, and no one is taking it. No one's doing it. It's it's insane to me. Of course, you can't replace his voice. His voice is irreplaceable. I mean. That's just that's just who he was. But what I'm trying to say is that no one's trying to do anything that's unique in travel or in the food television world. It's all just so standardized and and it's it's sad to see. But, you know, maybe maybe someone will do it. I don't know. Um, Bald and bankrupt, he's kind of doing a little something like that. But also he gets he gets very into history, which probably Bourdain would have loved. I think if he'd seen Bald and Bankrupt, he might have liked it. Yeah, I don't I don't know what we do without Bourdain. But uh 
he's still there, you know, which is wild to say. Like twenty years on, those shows, I'm, I'm, you know, still watching it. Going, man, okay, when I go to Mexico City, I'm gonna find this place, and who knows if it's still even there. But he's, uh, he's, he's still, he's still a guide. He's still guiding all of us through life and travel, and uh, yeah, he's not here, but he's still, he's still here. All right. That's it for me. I'm going to let Zamir talk now. Uh, like I said, follow him on Instagram. Go to his website. Buy his vodka if it's available. Yeah. Enjoy Zamir. He's a real treat. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Yeah, sure. thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Sure. Um, yeah, so you're... You're on, you're on, uh, kind of tour right now, kind of. I'm on, on a mission. Out. My whole, my whole life, I'm on a mission. So every day is like entertainer on a peacemaking mission. So yeah. even talking to you, I'm on a mission. So you are now impregnated to be my messenger. <laughs> okay. I hope I, I, I've taken you with your pants down, right? Yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Wait. What's the message? The message is uh, is just to spread peace. You know, peace of okay. mind, peace of uh, quiet, peace of uh, world global bullshit patience failure. If it's yeah. not you and me, who else will fix it? You know, look at them. They are mostly interested yeah. in some land grabs. You know, oil money. You know, yeah. bullshit corruption. It's it's all yeah. over the world. I mean, it's not that I'm talking about specific country, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So unless the human beings like you and me stop following this fake news most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, look at our own inner world. What do we have to say, if anything, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there should be sure. some message. It should be some reason. Yeah. So yeah. don't look at me as, as I'm a cult follower of uh, newly born Christians or something, right? I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm kind of on my own religion which is peacemaking uh-huh well that well i was gonna ask you this later in the interview but um, okay i guess what okay. do we what do we do what do we do without bourdain because he was Tony was definitely kind of in doing that you know he was definitely a person that that people looked up to in that sense because he was well you know thank you for bringing do it now? up yeah yeah so, so there is not yeah. no way to reinvent the bicycle right no, so no. the three the three most important messages and actually influences of Tony on me, and that's what I'm trying to reinvent myself every day of my life. Well, kick your ass every day of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Whenever you feel under the weather, or it's you know blood pressure, or it's malnutrition, you know it could be different different reasons to keep you in bed or. Uh, sieged in your shelter wherever you are right start uh -huh. traveling even just believe me or not i know people in uh, downtown uh lower east side in new york city who've never been to the upper west side in manhattan yeah. right it's about yeah. maybe an hour walk you know my pace why yeah. they have fear of the unknown right yeah that's true yeah, they don't know what kind of people yeah. they're gonna meet. They don't know whether it will be the food they're used to, or yeah, the yeah. booze, or yeah. or whoever, or the music. It's just the fear, right? 
Yeah. Of so l- let's yeah. look at Tony. We met, he was 44. We're of the same age. I was 44. And he said, Zamir, my life changed overnight mm-hmm. from being a junkie, ex-alcoholic, you know, uh, a chef who had no ambitions in life, basically for the 25 years. Once his book was published, right? Kitchen yeah, Confidential. Kitchen Confidential, yeah. He realized all of a sudden, hey, maybe there is a better mission than just, you know, keep people happy and feeding them every day of your life, right? Which is definitely a mission. But there is much bigger world outside of your restaurant, outside of your cubicle, outside of your... Are you in Austin, you mentioned, or in Texas? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Austin, Texas. Yeah, Uh, You're in Austin, which is Texas. Good. So in other words, for me, actually, Austin is a microcosm of people coming from all over the world. It's an international city now. Many yeah. transplants oh, yeah. from California, from the East Coast, from everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why actually yeah. I felt pretty comfortable there with my first vodka tour about five years ago. So uh, not to derail you completely, we go back to Tony, right? So look for the unknown, you know? Traveling means not just like having an expensive first-class uh, private jet or whatever, overseas no it has nothing to do with it it's just like you know put your ass in the car if you have a car or on a bicycle right yeah take a ride or walk whatever is more convenient whatever you you prefer and just try to find something different in your life whether it's the food or booze or the people you know listen to people or tell your own stories if they're good listeners that's what tony actually impacted me as a filmmaker but that, until i met him i wasn't sure i can do my own films and he said zamir look at me mm-hmm. i started from scratch and i was there actually in 2001 i saw him very immature very insecure in the film terms right yeah. he couldn't yeah. talk to people he's never met before so i but was, was like pretty a, shy yeah very first, shy yeah. and and very very insecure in all ways really wow well that's exactly why he actually needed me on camera because he said zamir after the first bottle and uh you know a couple of toasts to friendship and uh, new friends and uh, russian cuisine he enjoyed Uh um he realized that saying to me zamir you're like an icebreaker you you kind of make (laughs) connection like this right i said well tony that's what i do as a fixer that's actually what they hired me for right to be a fixer to set up you know locations people crew for the first time when they were in russia with his partner and the producer and cameraman chris collins and we all became friends so that's exactly why i guess when people ask me how did you connect well it was a, a coincidence right he needed someone like me to help him not to be shy of camera because most people are shy right yeah not to yeah. think about what to say right because he was mm-hmm. already spontaneous anyway so i said okay tony you like unscripted so let's do it you know as a professional person i would probably know where to find people who would talk to you even to freezing cold if you rewatch yeah. that cook's tour episode in russia yeah it was like yeah. probably i don't know 15 fahrenheit right in uh, january <laughs> yeah. actually it was early february yes. 2001 and we picked up those fishermen ice fishermen and started the conversation so that was the first setup unpredictable there could be no one on that oh, lake, right yeah but yeah. with my intent I say, it's like you know landing in mars right most people would say well whom, whom would i meet them i said well 
if we are lucky, we'll find one or two Martians and hopefully they will talk to us, right? <laughs> so look at it in, yeah. in this way. It's kind of based on spec, right? But yeah. you always need to have a backup. So let me not go deeper into the fixing and uh, location scout and filming because your target audience probably is not familiar with that. So, <laughs> But the, 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 the third big impact, like don't be afraid of anything, go with the traffic, go with the flow, and definitely like an easier influence. Uh, I would never touch street food by the time I met Tony, right? So for me, it was something I'm not sure whether people, you know, wash hands or whether they use the right yeah. you know, ingredients, or blah, blah, blah. So he changed so, me in a many in, in many ways, like the other people were influenced so you by started him. eating street you know, food because yeah, of Yeah, exactly, that's, exactly. That's like in Uzbekistan, yeah. the next episode, but was already travel channel, 2005. Mm-hmm. In Uzbekistan, he insisted that we had that food. I said, Tony, as a kind of little bit paranoia fixer and the field producer, I am worried yeah. if someone gets like a, a bug or like some indigestion on the way, we lose yeah. the crew, right? So I was kind of more global. As a mere trust, yeah. I'm a chef. <laughs> You're more Once I see yeah. this couple, yeah, we met the couple on, on the road, basically. Like, yeah, call where it you guys cafe, ate the brains but, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. whatever that was there. I said, Amir, don't worry. You know, Trust me. So I had to trust him. Though there was no plumbing toilet. No. <laughs> no one oh, got wow. sick. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. So that was, it just like, you know, it was like two-way traffic. I learned a lot. Probably he learned something from me about the camera appearance and uh, how to was, be flexible. Uh, yeah. Was uh was your your uh, chemistry did it happen pretty immediately? Immediately, you like you know, really. You call it like first uh, love from the first sight. So yeah. not to be misconstrued. We kind of <laughs> really connected immediately, like this. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, probably the same age, probably similar interest. And he's never been to Russia. He was eager to learn more about filmmakers. He was very educated, which was pleasant surprise. I never expected a chef to be that educated. culturally educated about history, films, music. I learned from him about Ramones and uh, Stevie Wang. Oh, like his favorite. Um, Steve Ray Wong, Steve Ray Wong. Oh, oh Steve Ray Wong from Austin, Texas. Steve Ray yeah, Wong. Actually. Yeah, yeah, you see? Yeah. So yeah. it was really a two way traffic. So it's like the friendship started from day one, I would call it. And um, so you know. did you guys hang out outside of the, the shoots and stuff? Yes, when we were not that tired, which was not oftentimes <laughs> normally, right? Because yeah. normally by the end of yeah. the shoot day, you're kind of tired. So most likely, we will either hang out with the crew at you know local bar or whatever if we were still yeah. up. Or luckily, there are days when the crew were doing just B-roll, what we say, just cutaways, right? When neither he nor me have to be in the shop. Oh, so, so like, uh, yeah. So like in Kansas City, I was lucky to accompany him for shopping. He needed the new Levi's jeans. Uh, and or he would call me for... Uh, being his warm up like in a band, you know, and there is a band on stage. Hey, oh, Tony okay. used to have yeah. yeah, Tony used to have uh public appearances. It was yeah, he used to the do sh- the shows with um Eric Repair and just kind of yeah, and some other guys, yeah. so to say. So I was lucky to be invited like five times. It was Guts and Glory, North American mm-hmm. tour. So he actually invited me to Dallas, which was first time. I didn't know what to do. He said, Zamir, be yourself. So he gave me one page like now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let me introduce my KGB mole, uh, the man of international <laughs> gastronomy. 
kind of a sidekick. Hilarious. <laughs> no. So people would laugh and kind of the ice was broken. Like in Dallas, probably he didn't know what to expect. So then yeah. it was Cleveland, Boston, Baltimore, Kansas City. Yeah. So wow. it was fun. So I, yeah, I guess amazing. he really needed me more at some point just to be away from, you know, crazy stalkers or people who would follow him from show to show and just be himself, yeah. you know. It wasn't yeah. easy to to mix with the people he never met. So that's why I think I yeah. did help to break the ice, you know. Yeah. Did he tend to get pretty like crazy followers and stuff like that? Yeah, there were stalkers, especially, you know, beautiful wow. women from all over the world. Yeah, I was coming <laughs> with his show and he was definitely recognized, wow. you know, mostly at the airports when we traveled and yeah. uh, definitely people wow. asked for favor to take a you know a selfie or something he was yeah. most of the time he was very open-minded uh, unless he was very tired and asked not to be bothered which happened yeah. not often after me yeah yeah well i gotta ask because i watched a bunch of the the episodes before uh we talked and uh you guys had this back and forth in the early episodes yeah. like did that oh, yeah. start with the massage or was that something that you guys just had naturally? Because it was the massage. I, I know, actually, then... it was a good reason, like sort of uh, what we call like tooth for tot, like kind of thing. Yeah. Jokingly yeah, tooth for, tat, for yeah. the script, <laughs> tooth for tat, thank you. Uh, yeah, started with the massage, which was absolutely unexpected scene. It happened the very last day because my local subfixers, as I call them in Uzbekistan, were pretty shy to show us kind of shabby old style hammam thing kind of, and they were uncomfortable that the masseur would be not happy to be on camera you know the word lubrication in the sense of uh <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> fixing yeah, yeah. terms not not what yeah. they're thinking uh so <laughs> yeah, okay. i i kind of tipped the guy before <laughs> we asked him to be on camera giving tony oh, okay a kind yeah. of massage so he kind of overdid it he thought that to impress me the guy who tipped him twice the normal yeah. he would do his best and tony Poor Tony was definitely suffering a little bit of um, <laughs> sex harassment. Okay, let's say. <laughs> yeah, he not, did not, the not the, through it. You yeah. know, yeah, not literally, but figuratively, definitely, because you yeah. wouldn't expect a man to be like moving him up and down, left and yeah. right. <laughs> you thought it would be more like kind of skin massage, but that was more like physical thing, you know? Yeah. Like chiropractor or something. Yeah. Did you guys? But but then um, he he got you back. Uh, yeah, with the, the walk thing scene. Yeah, with the walk yeah. thing. Which was and actually then, my cultural shock. I never did it before, so it was very yeah. surprising as a gift for my upcoming birthday. You know. Yeah. I started but, to be more understanding of you know women, especially if they need to do some kind of you know very sensitive parts of, of the body before the uh, beach season starts. So my heart really belongs <laughs> to women. Who are much more, yeah. much more courageous and uh, yeah, sort of overcoming pain than a man like myself. You know? Yeah, that was amazing. And then you went to Transylvania. Did he seem oh, yeah. to oh, absolutely yeah. hate that? Was that just for camera, or did he really not no, enjoy that? Honestly, honestly, the Halloween. That was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was more of a my fault, but it happened okay. with the blessing of his company, zero point zero. So when I went yeah. alone on a scout trip, which is always the case, right? When I'm doing field production, right? Not only on camera, but uh, I'm normally on my own to go for a week to the country where we plan to go. 
to choose okay. the right locations, to talk to the people. Not that we set up the dialogues, as you know, it's still unscripted, but you need to be aware that only within six full shoot days, you need to accomplish a lot. Several cities, yeah, wow. you know, it's travel. So you need to have reliable people on the ground helping you to, to make it work. So, yeah. and uh, once, actually, it was not just my initiative. 0.0 agreed that we should approach Romanian cultural board of uh, board of travel and culture in uh, New York City in in the Romanian embassy and they were so happy that you know Tony might visit them they said sure let the mayor you know visit Romania and we'll assign a local fixer so to say right to mm-hmm. find you know and and have a easier travel because i didn't speak romanian and that was probably a mistake which we realized too late so anyway they wanted us to go mostly to the places where they thought it would be a better presentation of the country, right? Oh, okay. So like touristy kind of if places. You know, yeah, so it, yeah. it was probably for the first time and for the last time. Meaning that normally I just find people and locations on my own for recommendation, but since I've never been to Romania before, we decided it would be a much easier way to set things right with the transport, hotels, you know, et cetera, yeah. different culture. And so we ended up where, where we are on the top. And it was still okay until the very last day when the local security guy wouldn't allow us to do a stand-up in front of a Vlad Dracula monument in Bucharest Park, right? And there was some bullshit explanation why he wouldn't let us do it. I won't even recall. So the local subfixes from this Ministry of Culture allegedly sent, you know, email with a request and it was granted. But anyway, something didn't connect. And then Tony, like, really freaked out. And the whole the whole show became very negative. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Damn. I had to take certain credit, honestly, because that was the year. Uh, well, actually, just to make a revelation. Originally, we planned to do it as a really, you know, my 50th birthday party yeah. right an exotic land where you know dracula <laughs> whatever and whatnot but yeah. my mom passed away like a month before planned in in uh, end of october of uh, 2006 so tony said don't worry now you won't feel like comfortable to you know entertain you know us yeah. as, as it normally works like 40 days after your mom's death so it really happened the year after, which means it was not my real 50th birthday. It was my 51st birthday, right? But since yeah. we already had that kind of announcement. It's so anyway, crazy, I was yeah. still a little bit feeling down and sometimes would probably drink more than expected. So with local <laughs> Chuika, if you remember that local moonshine, oh, yeah. I had a yeah. terrible mistake. So I have to warn your younger audience. Never mix the booze with the painkillers. So in one of the scenes, if you remember, yeah, he, I had to... He gave you a painkiller, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I had yeah. to push his car, Dacia, the local car, which got stuck mm-hmm. in, in, in the mud of the you know roads and the mountains of Bukovina. And so mm-hmm. I really just pulled my muscles and, uh, you know, they gave me that painkiller. But the next sort of location was that, that dinner, the, the pit party. So I probably yeah. drank more than expected. And with painkillers connection, I kind of lost it. So Tony had to carry me to the van. So it wasn't planned, as you understand. Oh, it was man. pretty spontaneous. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> since that time, by the way, you need to be, you know, aware that the Romanian government, who probably had no sense of humor, 
put both of us <laughs> on the blacklist and they claimed in the oh, local really? newspapers yeah that wow. Zamir is a KJB colonel I have no idea why they promoted <laughs> me you know I thought I would be like uh, you know yeah. private by that time and an alcoholic oh. which was disputable <laughs> but since they saw me kind of losing it a little bit in the scenes yes. Oh, wow. So anyway, never, never trust the local state uh, institutions because they really want you to see what they want you to see. In other words, that was kind of a mistake. But you know, things happen. Did they want you to see the the hotel with the party and? Everything? Not really. They just wanted us to be, yeah, to be a little bit away from the real life, right? That whole okay. party of the you know local peasants, they flashed out like how you know beautiful everything is like you know they kind of overdid it the young kid wearing that national kind of outfit which he might never probably wear in his life but just sort of to to send a message to foreigners especially for the sake of the travelers that we are Mm -hmm. so you know good we're so fancy we're so clean and safe in most cases that was the case but not always you know so it, 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 it became a little bit over polished from the sense of, uh, you know, content-wise, which definitely pissed off, you know, not only Tony and myself, but it is what it is. It was like a little bit of a honey, honey trap. Yeah, he seemed he seemed to, to very much hate when it, things were like staged uh-huh. and set up. The fish was always like a running yep. joke, but like the Halloween <laughs> the Halloween party where you guys had to dress up and like, yeah, he seemed to very <laughs> much despise that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that Halloween was something special. You're right. Yeah. Oh, man. Did you see any sort of change in him? Did he stay kind of the same shy kind of guy? Or as he got more and more famous, did he, well, did he change a little bit? In 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 most cases, he would still stay uh, as a shy and very goodwill person. But probably the more you travel, the more exposed you are as basically, you know, international star the more people start, you know, harassing you. Oh, just let's do this. Let's do that. Now, give me an autograph or something. It's too much. Sometimes it was really too much. So I think he was probably leaning towards to have more privacy. Even uh, during our filming the last couple of years, he would try to spend more time on his own in a hotel room or elsewhere. And well, first of all, he had too many commitments to, to, you know, Honestly, like too many interviews were coming, too many books, too many films, too many, you know, judging, uh, like cook shows, whatever. So I personally believe he kind of burnt out a little bit. It was too much, you know, traveling two thirds of the year. Just imagine to be away for longer than a month. You already started. Well, something is not cooking right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, for sure. So in other words, there's always the upside and downside. My, My worry is that he really burnt out and was kind of a little bit pissed off yeah apart from the private uh, things uh, happening in his life and personal mm-hmm. situations well it's very sad but listen he enjoyed yeah. every moment of it that's what yeah what for sure life is all about it's something you know yeah you guys definitely enjoyed it a lot I, uh my mind was blown by the amount of vodka you guys drank is that <laughs> there's like three bottles at one point it's good. It's like, good how... that you really you counted because most people think, <laughs> "Oh, Zemir, we stopped counting because we thought that was fake uh, vodka." I said, and I'm sure you will believe me. Hey, nothing was artificial or fake regarding Tony's. Yeah. Once again, it's always unscripted. Yeah. We didn't plan to have you know a bottle or two. We we like <laughs> went with the flow. 
And that was yeah. the Ukraine episode you referred to, right? It was our yeah. record. So it was like three bottles. I can't even remember, you Ooh. know, Mimira, wow. Hortica, and the third one I won't recall. Some, so, some pepper yeah, vodka, it, it was yeah. tough. Yeah, right. it was pepper one. Thank you. Uh, but always with the good food. Don't forget that we, we never, yeah. you know, overindulged without the food. That's the mm. whole crash course of how to drink without getting drunk, which I bring with my vodka tasting. <laughs> and you'll have to come over. Oh, if not oh, to Buffalo sure. this time, I may be in, uh, where could I be, like a Nashville? Maybe in oh, about yeah. two uh, weeks, then it might be a Treasure Island mm. in Florida. So anyway, uh, once you follow mm. me, you'll, you'll see at uh, samirgata.com some announcements because really June is okay. a big month, you know, of Tony's. It's the yes. birthday and his uh, fifth uh, death anniversary. So mm-hmm. I, I have global plans maybe to find the right location. By the way, I'm more and more thinking about Austin where we could set up a yearly festival, ideally oh, in June, but not always. And yeah. um, something like, you know, drink like Tony or eat like Tony, drink like Zemir. Yeah. Something to make it more yeah. like fun, more like, you know, really up to what... He was promoting yeah. to, you know, meet people, yeah. you know, drink local, eat local. You have an amazing, you know, chef's restaurant. So do me a favor. When you have time and talk to your local guy, just think about it. It could be like a weekend. Oh, for sure. Just, yeah. you know, oh, several that, restaurants, amazing. several bars, like yeah. street fair, whatever. So mm-hmm. from this standpoint, you know, I need yeah. my messengers. So you are the one, Zach. You, you kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I call people okay. like you and walk in, right? So I never recruited yeah. you. You found me, you walked in. <laughs> so welcome to did, the parlor. Yeah. yeah, if you remember yes. that. Welcome uh, to the party. Great yeah. book. Um, yeah, it was uh, Joseph Cronin, I think, Citadel. Uh, Will you walk into my parlor, said the spider to a fly. So I don't want to call myself okay. a spider, but since you are flying in my <laughs> space, so you are stuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. So what do you do for these uh, events? You just get people drunk kind of get a meeting and well no yeah normally yeah normally uh, i'm uh, either contacted or i contact friends of friends as i mentioned to you who have a bar a restaurant or friends mm-hmm. of tony and we have either a happy hour which is easier if uh, mm-hmm. there is no zemir vodka legally distributed we just call it a tasting event like we don't charge people for a free shot but they definitely pay a little bit extra to justify my travel cost at least to different destinations, yeah. which, which is not drivable or walkable. So it's simple. It's yeah. just like local food, local people who want to, and we we screen um, YouTube or whatever is like free um, travel channel, mostly yeah. travel channel shows because they're more fun. Honestly, with the CNN, it was getting a little bit not that 100% Tony. Sometimes CNN wanted him to go to certain destinations he didn't really plan to or didn't want to, huh. and talking more as an interviewee, which is not exactly his kind of shtick, he acknowledged. But still, okay. you know, it was amazing. You know, Parts Unknown is still one of my favorites. It's really great, but is that why he sort of changed more to like interviewing? It was more of it's more of sitting at a exactly. Meeting. That was the format they wanted. Oh, okay. So that was their change. It yeah, that really was their change. Yeah. No. Huh, that's interesting. Okay. I thought that he was getting more interested. No, no, no. And honestly, the way I look at it, some people I know, they wouldn't continue following him with CNN because they thought it's getting more political or like biased mm-hmm. or something, which was not the case. But still, you know, CNN, as you know, it's like different extremes. Fox, CNN, 
like not, yeah. not anymore unbiased kind of media. And unfortunately, with all my respect, the journalists who work there, yeah, that's why some of the audience sadly, you know, gave up on on uh, switching Antonio, to CNN. Yeah. But most of the people yeah. definitely still followed him and read his books, etc. Yeah, for sure. I gotta ask you about the the rust belt episode because that sure. that was like he because you used to be as far as like watching the trajectory of you guys you were his russian contact and like kind of guiding him through that mm-hmm. that world and then all of a sudden he took you and put you in in the rust belt why why was that well uh the way i looked at it he never explained he was not the guy who would explain <laughs> things, right? unless you get it you don't get it so you better not ask yeah. so the way i realized yeah. uh our chemistry and interaction. So it was easier for him to have like a sidekick, right? You have more topics, okay. you have more themes, you have less time to be yeah. just talking on your own, if you know what I'm saying. So you get some rest <laughs> during, you yeah. know, the still man travel kind of thing. That's how I would explain. Yeah, for sure. So since I showed him Russia the way I could in the previous two episodes, he thought to himself, okay, it's time to show Zamir X coming born in a communist you know, <laughs> world and yeah. fucked by communists for quite some time, that no country is perfect. So as you know, he was more like an anarchist, like nihilist. He would never believe that any state, when it gets interfering into your life, could do something good, right? Rely on your own you know, skills, rely on your own interests, do, be your own man, right? So he yeah. wanted to show me that America is not perfect either way. There were economic crises, people lost jobs, etc. So, like, nothing is perfect. No one is perfect. So that was the reason to bring me to that Rust Belt and to show Detroit, Buffalo, and Baltimore as pretty rusty cities where, you know, we interviewed people who were, like, waiting for unemployed, like, you know, doll or something in um, U.S. auto works in Detroit. Yeah, Lowe's, Detroit. General Motors, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of his way to show me his backyard, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Which I liked, and he thought I would hate Buffalo. Because at that time, it was so rustic and freezing. But I enjoyed it and met so many people who became my friends in that day. So I keep coming to Buffalo, and no surprise that my vodka, peacemaking vodka, was released there. Because with the help of my spiritual advisor, Chris Carson, who is actually native of Rochester, not far from mm-hmm. Buffalo... He found a farmer and a distillery uh, with this winter crop wheat from the farmer whom I, you know, was introduced to. We found the best quality of vodka, which I wanted to do for a couple of years, but didn't find the right ingredients. And that amazing water from uh, Cayuga Lake, you know, Finger Lakes, that's the two ingredients you need to have to make the vodka smooth. And really, like, not damaging your liver that much as as the <laughs> best quality water. Yeah. So I'm not a, a, an advocate yeah. of, of drinking 24 hours. I'm just saying, if you buy alcohol, you really need to be aware that if you buy something under fifteen dollar yeah. per bottle, most likely you're paying for gas, like you know, like yeah. ethanol, diesel, yeah. diesel fuel kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what was some of the most fun times you guys had on the on the show? Oh, well, every show definitely had its own uh, kind of fun elements. Um, probably even, even the, the bad one, like the Romanian Yeah, one, even, even in that? Romania, yeah. They were still had some fun, as, as I mentioned to you at some of the episodes, where he didn't expect that crazy people coming for the Halloween party. Like, 
American tourists. It was still cultural experience, yeah. believe me or not. Uh, but uh, good TV, yeah, for sure. Yeah, maybe Kansas City was more fun for me. Not only that, it was my first tailgate party, right? And as you probably know, oh, we, yeah. never made, right. we never made it to the stadium. So the <laughs> amount of booze <laughs> we consumed, he said, Zemir, you need a break. You know, no need to go. But that was first experience. I liked it. And uh, see how people do socialize even just before or after the event, right? And never mm-hmm. been to the game. Then I, yeah. after that episode, I definitely was interested to visit it and, and saw the build in, in, in Buffalo, of course. And that was the, the, the time when we met the people he interviewed because I wasn't part of that element. It was Black Key. You know, remember the, the musicians from, anyway, very famous band, just rewatched the Kansas City. So they were on camera with Tony at lunch and I was just off camera, just enjoying my lunch and, then talking to the guys, Black Keys, I think. I, I'll, I'll remember the Oh, band. the Black Keys. Yeah, the Black, Black Keys. Black Keys, yeah, the, sure. The, yeah, the, yeah. the blues so, artists, yeah. Yeah, that, that was an amazing experience to meet people who are definitely considered icons of the uh, world and uh, our music culture. And so it was always something new and interesting. In other words, like every episode definitely yeah. had a lot of positive experiences for me, especially. Like yeah. learning the world outside of my box, you know, that's... That was the whole idea. Be a traveler, not a tourist. Yeah, for sure. Or air museum, the same type of thing. Most people say, well, it's kind of boring. What would you expect in an air museum, right? But I guess Tony (laughs) really wanted me to be there on their own, on my own, just to figure out what America is all about. Some people collect this. Some people collect that. So that amazing woman, I won't recall her name, she was collecting since she was like, I don't know, in the 20s, that hair, say, lock-ons of famous people. Oh, And they yeah. exhibited, you know. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, so how did he choose what to, like, uh, you mentioned the Rust Belt episode, but, like, how did he choose to include you in these in these episodes later on? Well, well, I guess he just missed the company. That That's my own understanding. Since I'm not a chef, right, I couldn't be a secondary repair because with Eric, they always have something recipes or some food related mm-hmm. topics to discuss with me it was more about overall politics or spies he liked the books mm-hmm. on spies you know see that's why actually he was very very surprised that i managed to arrange a visit to super kgb colonel retired one by that time victor Cherkashin, in the second russian yeah. episode in 2005 who would explain to us metaphorically that you know picking up mushrooms is also art so that was yeah a metaphor yeah, for him amazing. choosing people like tony whom to approach and recruit who were not happy or were not you know something you know to do yeah. whatever <laughs> yeah he's yeah he said he he, he would have recruited tony because he was like an easy target or something yeah, like that. yeah yeah definitely because he didn't crazy. care much it's not that he knew some <laughs> secrets but that type of people you know <laughs> would allow yeah. the real spies to get through them, maybe to a network of someone who would introduce them to those who are part of, you know, special services or politicians, and then they will use their dirty tricks to blackmail the people, you know, like, you know, honey traps or whatever. So yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting world. He was also very much interested in. Do you have any like standout meals from any of those episodes? Well, honestly, I'm not a big foodie, meaning I, I like comfort food. So in any country I go, I just try to, to see what locals 
eat. So I always go now, you know, since I met Tony, as I mentioned before, to the places where local eat and drink. So I eat everything. So for me, just like, you know, macaroni, like pasta would be a, a good way to do like, you know, whether it's bolognese or whatever. So from this standpoint, you know, I eat everything and everywhere I go. So I don't have any allergies, luckily. I like meat, I like chicken, I like fish. Sometimes I do vegetables, but less. You know, I'm still more like, an, uh, I would say, a regular consumer of food, not too much in the vegetarian world. Maybe with, um, you know, getting old, it might be a good thing to be more healthy. But otherwise, I, yeah. I, I, I like food in, in general sense. Well, Especially homemade. Was, That's why I try to yeah. to visit friends, as I mentioned, to you all over U.S. and uh, stay mm-hmm. with them. First of all, it does save limited budget I have for this kind of events, <laughs> and that helps yeah. to see how people live through food. Yeah. That's another big thing. Tony helped us to understand in a very simple way. Through food, yeah, you sure. do understand more about the lifestyle, about the culture, about the beliefs, about the politics. So everything starts with the right food with the right hosts who are open-minded and welcoming you to taste something they just produced for you specifically. Well, are there some of those moments from the show that, that sort of stick with you, some of those meals? Well, definitely, definitely Uzbekistan, which was more of a cultural shock to him, less to me, because it's kind of a Muslim country, but not that orthodox as most of them. So when we were attending that wedding, if you remember. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. We had a special guest to attend many small events, like, you know, families from the bride, from the bridegroom, community, they call it mahala. They meet regardless mm-hmm. of the bride and groom first. They started like at 8 a.m. So we had to toast and drink wow. vodka at 8 a.m., definitely with the food. Oh, which you normally yeah. you won't expect for breakfast, like you know, yeah. loaf, like, you know, like a real rice dish with lots of meat yeah. and, and vegetables and garlic. So Tony was really surprised that around the world, it's not like simply wedding. You come for the event sometime in the evening, you know, you have appetizers and that. Here it was like totally different way. People just have a reason to socialize, you know, hundreds of them at the same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he oh, enjoyed so- it. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like he's had a great time, except for the dancing. He didn't really like. The well, dancing. listen, that was one of the taboos. No karaoke, no dancing. But probably it was my fault. I I tried to keep him sometimes away from his comfort zone because that gives you more of a beautiful, unexpected, on camera kind of fun time. <laughs> and he was too shy to join us. Yeah. But at the end of the day, he did. Yeah. At least uh, imitate that kind of a dance and paid me for whatever tip I deserved. <laughs> did you ever uh, listen to his his uh, narration? And, yes. Uh, and think, and I love think about like the way that he books. sort of betrayed you. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but he always portrayed you as kind of like a in opposition. He's like, he's like, I'm going to get Zamir again. Like he's... Yeah, he was like he was like almost like you were an adversary or like a like a exactly you know that points. that was yeah. helpful you <laughs> so, know kind of for the sake of an yeah. intrigue you know there, you always need like yeah, two different sure. opinions ex commie or someone born in in yeah. material capitalism like himself yeah. so that was probably a good excuse why he had the reason to invite me more often than other friends I guess mm-hmm. yeah and. um I guess as we're winding down here, did you happen to watch the documentary Roadrunner 
And uh, what, yeah. You, what oh, yeah. you think oh, about Oh, yeah. It? A very professional film. And the only thing I missed, not only me, I guess, many of uh, Tony's fans and friends, there was no hope at the end of the story, right? For me, yeah. and by the way, I'm not bragging, I'm just <laughs> trying to complete the post-production with my comrade in crime in Buffalo, by the way, Stephen uh, mm-hmm. Powell, who started with me that documentary, uh, Zamir Discovers Bourdain's America. Like what happens oh, after nice. Tony is gone, right? Yeah. So we hope yeah. that by the end of the year, we'll, we'll be able to screen it and might be a good reason to bring it to Austin oh. and have that, that event yeah. we discussed. So yeah. be my mole now, M-O-L-E. So yeah. don't run away. <laughs> I'll be your mole, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the legacy. Uh, you know, we all need to cherish and bring up more often than just in the month yeah. of June. Same way he yes. kind of urged me to write my own memoirs. Like he said, I will write an introduction and help you with the social media. Maybe I was too naive, didn't quite believe it was for real. It was 10 years ago. Uh, during yeah. one of our uh, events in Cleveland, as I mentioned, that the Gods of Glory show. So anyway, I'm now mm-hmm. keeping all the fingers crossed that my book agent will find the right publisher. We've done five chapters with my co-writer. She's amazing, Miriam. Thank you. And now I hear the voice, my voice, because with the previous male co-writer, that was the toughest thing to get mm-hmm. your real voice, right? So it's not like, you know, yeah. English is not Just, my native. So I always need a co-writer to bring things into a better way of real English. But she as the first mm-hmm. woman, you know, I was introduced as a co-writer, did it. And now I'm very happy that hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have the whole manuscript ready. So you'll yeah. be my mole for the, you know, book event. For Austin. Uh, now publisher yeah, comes sure. in, we'll have to come up with something interesting with the booze and food. And the screening event. So that's what I mean of Tony's festival that people would come and see, you know, the films, his favorite shows, whatever they like. Yeah. So he does yeah. deserve so, it. He changed all of us. Yes, for sure. Yeah, he changed my life. So it's it's more hopeful. Yeah. I, I definitely felt that yeah. with, with the show or with the movie. It was, yeah, um, just we need some more hope that here yeah, is the big impact he made. So I know, you know, many people would cry and, and that interviews were very dramatic, but still I don't know why they didn't show the upside. There's always the upside and downside, Just, right? In anything yeah, we do. How sure. many people still, and I'm like a member of four different social groups with about 200,000 people probably connecting, especially during pandemic years. People felt yeah. so lonely when they couldn't follow any more of the new shows. So they needed some kind of a means of communication, right? Special people, yeah. now older people, single people, those who lost hope for whatever reason in their own life. So that's how the social groups, I'm part of, uh, you know, the, the legend, Burden uh, Rocks, uh, Anthony Burden Appreciation Society, Suicide yeah. Prevention, you name it. So that's yeah. beautiful. That's what I love. And that's how people still now, yeah. like five years after he's gone, discuss different books of his, his shows, photos. So he really... It's like Burden Manny. It's like a cult without him I know, it is a cult. thinking yeah. about it. It is a cult. So believe me or not, we are all members of that cult. So why don't we bring yeah. it up more often and toast and think of him? And, yeah, uh, you sure. know, that would be beautiful yeah. memories for his daughter, Ariane, who definitely will need that support yeah. more often, uh, especially yeah. being a teenager now. Yeah. And it's, and like, yeah, this, that community is definitely. Is it definitely is a big community people. all over the world, by the way. 
I'm yeah. pleasantly surprised really? to get, you know, calls from Australia, from Hawaii, you know, definitely Europe and, and US, of course. Yeah. So it's not just like one country made such a big impact. That That's phenomenal, yeah. honestly. And I'm so honored to be part of it now. And some people, you know, reach out and want to know something. Yeah. So that's why I said, well, wait till the book is done, till the film is done. There'll be more revelations, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, so so you have a few things planned for this year, but I mean, um, you, you have those those things in the work. Yeah, for the moment, this is Buffalo, so I'll be uh, like on June eighth, definitely the the sad day. Uh, and welcome to join yes. me, those who have friends or family in Western New York. It's only forty five minutes from Buffalo. Still bound, amazing, uh, amazing. Ellicottville uh, Resort, and uh, that's uh, still about distillery, now produced uh, the most recent uh, limited batch of my vodka. So that's where you definitely okay. can can buy it and drink it and enjoy it. Okay. And um, what's the status on the uh, Soviet uh, submarine disco? When is that? What is that? What is that going to Well, believe happen? me or not, I have, I have friends now in uh, Treasure Island. And... Okay. They support this idea. Remember, like for the joke, yeah. I said, Tony, how about we bring the submarine and find a parking spot and do a go-go club? So now they think <laughs> that Treasure Island needed. So you might get an invitation anytime soon if we are successful. <laughs> really? I'm still looking for a very old style, the one which I had in mind in San Diego. Unfortunately, we are uh-huh. like a bit late. It was used for metal scrap because it started sinking. It was part oh, of the yeah. uh, sea. Navy Museum or something in downtown San Diego. So anyway, if you have any ideas on where to get some uh, old vessel from the Cold War, uh, <laughs> my friends in Treasure Island are ready and invite me to set it up there. And maybe we'll call it like Tony's or Hunt for, for Tony or something. Oh, that'd be, that'd if be not amazing. for the Red yeah. October. Yeah, something funny. <laughs> he, he will definitely yeah. enjoy it. I know that he is watching us yeah. having a good time. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Samir. I'll let you go. You got to get out. You're my man. So send me the link when we are ready. So I could definitely bring it to my audience and uh, other parts of uh, Austin. And good luck with uh, a noble mission. I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you so much. What a bunch of wonderful characters. Alexi, who never says a word. Ludmilla, who never stops. And Zamir, who not only turned out to be a good guy after all, but has quite the gastronomic sense. Do good food, good company, a gracious host, a good cook, and good vodka. Thank you. Thank you.